La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille Hey, bonjour rugby friends, I hope you are all well and ready for very exciting European weekend. I'm afraid Mike Pierce couldn't join me, but I've had two great guests today on French Rugby Connection podcast. I was very, very pleased to speak with Martin Henley, who is the communication and PR director of EPCR. And I got uh, Tom Dixon who is a supporter of Stade Toulousain. I hope you will enjoy my chat with them today. I'm so happy to speak with you today. You are currently the EPCR communication PR directors, but maybe if you could tell me more about your, your career so far, because you are from the, the north of England, you moved to Manchester, then London, and then Lausanne. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for the invite, Véronique. Bonjour, and, uh, and uh, congratulations on, on what you're doing with, with the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. I mean, one of the main things is that when I was a, a young guy, I realized that I didn't have much sporting talent, and therefore I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to be part of it. So I was a, a, a written reporter. I was a radio reporter. I was a TV commentator for a while, briefly present as well. And then I moved into the other side with the, the rights holders and went to work in football in Switzerland. So 11 years ago, I left uh, the north of England and went to Switzerland and then I moved to EPCR five years ago. And it's been a, a very exciting five years. Every day has been different working with the greatest club rugby I believe in the world and nobody's uh, ever to been able to, to change my mind. So uh, I'm very lucky, very lucky. Excellent. And uh, tell me more about EPCR. How much has EPCR evolved? Uh, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, of course. The history of the Heineken Cup has been, been told so, so many times and remains so special. So obviously the Heineken Cup launched in 1995 with its first match in Romania. And in 2014, ERC, its, its former Guardians, was transferred to Switzerland, became European professional club rugby. At a time that the, the sport, club sport, was continuing to evolve management of the European club rugby tournaments. Then we had the brand of the European Rugby Champions Cup and a different uh, financial commercial model envisaged And now we're, we're almost back to where we started with the title partners back where they belong with Heineken ribbons on the trophy that will be given out here at Twickenham Stadium on Saturday evening. Really looking forward um, to that. But it's now been 25 years of this tournament. And for me, it goes from strength to strength. The quality of the, the sport, the, the, the color, the passion, the diversity of the fans, whether you're going to Stade Marcel Michelin, whether you're going to Tormund Park, whether you're here at Twickenham Stadium, wherever you might be. It's so special on a match day and it's something that uh, I've enjoyed, but not just me, but a world has enjoyed as well. Now the matches are available in every single country of the world for the very first time since the Heineken Champions Cup final in Bristol last season. And there's an, a great appetite for it. We're back on free-to-air television in the United Kingdom and Ireland for the last few seasons doubled the free-to-air exposure in France uh, through France 2, whose, uh, whose coverage, just like being Sport, exceptional and does a great service 
for the tournaments as well. So people can enjoy it far and wide and the players love it. And whilst the players love it and they value that star that took out for the fifth one uh, on their jersey and La Rochelle for their, their first uh, this weekend, whilst the players and the clubs value the, let's say, the prestige of this tournament, it's going to carry on going from, from strength to strength. Exactly. I would really qualify that la crème de la crème because European Champion is very much what all teams in the top 14 and all the other leagues are really striving for. And it's such an honor, you know, for teams in the top characters, you know, to be in the top six so that they can enter, you know, the, the tournament. So how do you explain this massive enthusiasm for the European Championship? Uh, and is there something similar existing in the southern part of, uh, of the world? For me, I think there's something different in the Northern Hemisphere, and that's the, the fierce tradition and uh, the history that goes into the clubs that I think that on many occasions franchises can't quite replicate. It's not, it's not quite the same thing. If you go to, to speak to somebody in, I don't know, Clenethley, say, about their history, they'll go straight to tell you about when they beat the All Blacks in the early 1970s. Yes. And they would also probably have similar stories in Neath, just like they would in Munster as well. There's a fierce history about the Northern Hemisphere. That's obviously represented twofold in France by the, the race for the Bouclier, but also for, for Europe. Uh, and let's say that, um, remember at the start of this, this great tournament, then it was the, the French clubs hit the ground running. It was Stade Toulousain winning in Cardiff in the first year. It was that brilliant performance from Breeze in the, the second season when they beat Leicester Tigers again in the Arms Park in Cardiff. Somehow, Brieve didn't win the third one as well in Bordeaux and Paglescure, which I'm sure is still a mystery to them as well as to, to many others as Bath became the first from England. But over time, those rivalries have developed. And now, for example, you have great rivalries between clubs like, for example, uh, ISM Clermont-Auvergne and Munster. That is a rivalry. When I remember my first game at ECR, Well, I, I went to uh, Felix Mayol, and the game was, it was the first time that RC Toulon had been beaten at home in the European Cup. They lost against Saracens. Uh, Saracens were the holders, and Toulon, only the recently dethroned three-time champions of Europe, and a great heavyweight. What a club, I mean, a club of passion, uh, a club of, of real colour, you know, vibrancy around RC Toulon. And I watched this game and thought, I've never seen club rugby like this before. It was outstanding. It was outstanding. Saracens had to be really at their best, but you know, five minutes more and Toulon would have probably won that game. And when you, you think about the, the height of that, and then some of the other rivalries that have come in, Racing with Munster in recent years, you know, you're now starting to see new rivalries, Exeter and Toulouse over the past couple of seasons, drawn together. Unfortunately, obviously not able to, to play this season, but with an epic semi-final last season. So you, you're starting to see many different players now. And I think, I think the overall, Is, is outstanding and I think that's something that Europe can be, be very very proud of definitely something resonated to my ears you mentioned about witnessing a really good match between Toulon versus Saracen it was in October 2016 in Stade Mayol and after the game I bumped into Laurence Dallalio and I asked him so Laurence how did you find it And he said to me, that was one of the best games I ever watched. It was absolutely amazing. You know, it was, a, yes, so we, we were together. Yeah, we were, I was in with a fan, with a Saracens fan. You were probably in the corporate area, but uh, we bought a game that was so much passion. 
And the great thing is that in the in the press area in in Felix Mayoral, which was over overflowing, everybody wanted to to cover that game in in round one of, of what was then the the Champions Cup. Yes. Um, Kerry, the the consensus was the same, and speaking to Mark McCall afterwards, he understood that what they'd achieved there was something incredibly special. Yes, Toulon wasn't the champion, Saracen was the champion, mm. but they understood just how special it was to win that uh, that game there. And I think there is certainly for let's say for for the Britanniques, it, it's really really important to when you understand that you haven't just gone to France and you've competed with a big club from the top capitals or a club in form from the top capitals when you go and beat them that is enormous and I know that in modern rugby the home advantage and especially over the last year with uh, without crowds and with the difficulties that, that the world has faced it's been less important to be in, uh, in your home state in terms of the results that come out but seriously there, it, it remains a big scalp to go to France and beat anybody for any club And I think you look at the response of Leinster when they lost uh, in La Rochelle in the, the semi-final. It wasn't La Rochelle, ah, they've never been here before at this level. It was La Rochelle, this is one of Europe's finest rugby clubs as things stand. And there'll be a lot of people, uh, themselves included, who believe that they can beat Stade Toulousain and watch rugby a mouth-watering game here on, on Saturday evening. It's possible. I was about to ask you the Virgin versus Married or first time Married, La Rochelle. Do you think it might be tight? Well, that's the glory of finals. It's so they're, they're so difficult to, to predict. But I think you know, in sport, we like a contrast. You know, we we like those storylines of the the David and the Goliath, the heavyweight, yes. the inexperienced. We love that. And for the inexperienced, what John Gibbs and Ronan O'Gara will be saying to the, the guys, I'm sure before the game will be, be look, you. you You've earned the right to have a shot at this. And to an extent, you have nothing to lose. And they have some enormous talent um, in that La Rochelle side, the backbone of which has been there for, for so long. And they will not be fearful of any reputations. We saw that the way that they were composed and managed the game in the second half against Leinster. On the other side, Toulouse, they have the expectation, they have the history, but they've been there before and if you look at sort of Hugo Mola and Jérôme Casalbu they were there in Cardiff 26 years ago yes. and, and they're here this weekend and just listening to some of the some of the Toulouse staff players talk about the quest for the fifth star that Mission Europe that we saw around the, the semi-final this is, this is huge it's very hard to predict and I could just enjoy it I If, if I could predict them, I probably wouldn't be in this position. I'd be probably watching from the beach somewhere. But, but as is, I think what we'll have is a very entertaining game. I genuinely believe that these two have proved themselves to be the best two clubs in Europe on form and may the best team win on, on Saturday evening. Definitely. And what do you make of the Challenge Cup the day before? Because it's a real fairy tale for Montpellier. As you know, they had a terrible... Uh, top 14 now they're ramping up fortunately and you know it's quite a young club it was founded i think in 1985 and they're raring to go so do you think they might win or <laughs> they've got a well, good, what good a, squad what an outstanding second half of the semi-final against bath because for a club with so much pressure 
um, that they've had for the season and all of the talk of, you know, we're not performing as well as we, we would like. The uh, the character and the determination of Montpellier in the semi-final was extraordinary against Bath. A superb performance and they definitely merit their, their place in the Challenge Cup final again. Of course, they won it in 2016, but they won it in, in Lyon in a very different situation in front of almost 30,000, new stadium. It was a big moment for the club. They found themselves uh, on a number of occasions now in the Heineken Champions Cup. And here it's a, it's a real clash. Of, it's a clash of cultural rugby, I would say. It's a clash of styles coming up against uh, Leicester Tigers on Friday evening. Leicester, who themselves uh, actually haven't won the Challenge Cup, unlike Montpellier, because they've only contested it. This is only the second time they've contested it. Last year, they went out, of course, in Felix Mayol in the, in the semi-final. Yeah, um, yes. So I, I think that Friday night is going to be extraordinary, but there's an extra pot of gold for Montpellier because they know that if they win the game, they will qualify for next season's Heineken Champions Cup because they'll take the eighth spot from France. We don't know the format yet. Uh, it's still being discussed for a, a number of reasons, but we do know that it's eight from each league and 24 clubs playing. So it's uh, it, there's a big pot of gold as well as the glory of the trophy. And I'm sure what will be some, some celebrations uh, despite the, the COVID regulations, there'll be a way for everybody to celebrate it if they do win. On, on Friday night, but they've earned a shot at it, Montpellier. They had to do it really hard against Benetton on showing the, uh, the improvement of the Italian clubs in the quarterfinals who really pushed Montpellier all the way. But what, a, what an opportunity and to play in this, as Didier Lacroix called it uh, not long ago, this temple of rugby in Twickenham Stadium. It's, it's a big motivation for, Definitely. for all of it. I had Philippe Saint-André on my podcast a few weeks ago and, you know, he's so eager, you know, to make a stand, to prove all his critics wrong. And in terms of audience, I'm really pleased. There, so there will be 10,000 spectators on Friday evening and 10,000 spectators on Saturday as well. That's right. We've been very, very, very lucky, Veronique, because because the, the authorities at the Rugby Football Union, the British government as well, the all of the hardworking staff at Twickenham Stadium, they've all done everything possible to, to pull around what is normally a one-year project in, in three weeks to get people inside the stadium, but crucially inside the stadium safe. So there's a range of measures that are being put in to make sure that, that the people are safe, um, that they're distanced, that they're being housed, accepted into the stadiums in the right way. And I, I, I could bore you for a long time on the, the range of, of COVID-19 protocols that, that will be in place for the matches. But the big thing is that I, I know that some of my colleagues were in Aix-en-Provence for the Challenge Cup final last season in front of 1,000. I was at Ashton Gate Stadium for the Exeter Chiefs Racing, a modern classic of a final. And, there were, and it, it misses too much without, without fans. We're delighted to have them back. We know that in the near future, it'll be possible to welcome Fans who are travelling, you know, we're, we're heading in that direction. Yes. Yeah, I think you'll see quite a few red and yellow jerseys around the stadium on a Saturday evening to support their clubs. Unfortunately, as you know, they won't be travelling from, from Toulouse and, and La Rochelle. Mm-hmm. Big, that's not yet possible, but we're delighted, Veronique. I mean, the rugby is a different game without the fans and it loses part of its heart. And yes. That's part, we all love it. So we're, we're delighted, we're we're really thankful to the broadcasters that have been able to make it possible for people to enjoy the sport for the last 15 months. But it's going to be special to see to see fans back on match day is, is very, very special for us. Definitely, 100%. I'm really looking forward. And next year is going to be Marseille. Finally, yes. <laughs> 
Marseille is my favorite French city. I love going there. I love, I, I probably, as my waistline will say, enjoy too much of the food and wine. But, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful city for, for a great rugby event. And that's what this will be. It's a shame that to have an old French final this year, not in Marseille, because you imagine what it would have been like to walk, uh, walk to the Stade Vélodrome and see something so special as a, a, an all top 14 final. But that said, there's always next year. We originally were there in 2020. We haven't had a final in France since uh, 2016. Those two at the corner, then uh, as it was called, the Grand Stade de Lyon. But it's a wonderful venue. The the team at Olympique Marseille and the Stade Vélodrome have been absolutely wonderful in uh, in, in let's say uh, being in providing flexibility in this situation. And for the fans who have tickets, and there's still more than 30,000 of them holding onto their tickets for next year, it's going to be a party worth waiting for. So, uh, oh, yes. so hope to see as many as possible there. I think that'll be another fantastic memory from this uh, tournament of wonderful memories, the, the Heineken Champions. Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Martin. I wish you all the best and may the best win team. And I'm sure <laughs> this year, Heineken champion will be French anyway. As of you, Absolutely. <laughs> That's something you know, as a guarantee. But thank you for your invite, Veronique. Thank you for your, your podcast and your coverage. We hope you enjoy the game as well. Yes. And we hope able to, to welcome you in a let's say a less restrictive situation next year yeah. you'll join us I'll say and enjoy that, uh, that party. indeed merci beaucoup hey bonjour Tom how are you Bonjour, I'm very well indeed thank you and yourself I'm very well too so the first thing as you know you know Mike Mike Pierce is not available this week. He's got to wash his hair. Don't ask me. What a shame. <laughs> can, you do a wash, can you do a Welsh accent at all? I, I studied in Cardiff. I, I spent many years, lucky boy, down in the valleys. Oh. <laughs> People mock me quite rightly for that terrible attempt. I love it. I love it. Can you say a few words in Welsh? Uh, no, no. Croizuai Camry, I think, was welcome to Wales. I hate to tell you, it's quite a long time ago. I was <laughs> okay, so let's start, you know, by by the beginning, Tom. So, Tom, you've been living in France for quite a while. Maybe if you tell our listeners, you know, more about yourself and your love for uh, Stade Toulousain, Les Rouges et Noirs. Bien sûr, Veronique. I came over here 16 years ago because I was uh, I was working in the wine trade. I was already working from home, so I thought I could I could do my teleworking from the south of France rather than the beautiful parts of Cambridgeshire where I was. And why the south of France? It is because I like wine, good food, big houses in the countryside. And in the southwest of France, there's also a fair bit of rugby. I came over with a lady who has become my wife and our two daughters. And we got married in Toulouse in the Place Capitale, which is the big yes. square. Mm-hmm. And you may not remember this, but teenage daughters can be quite stroppy if they have to change country all of a sudden. I ha- Yes, even if they don't have to change... Uh... Uh, countries, you know, I've got a teenage daughter, so I know, I, I you know, I feel the pain. <laughs> it's <laughs> quite hard work. Well, but what we figured out very early on was that if I took the daughters to the rugby, they felt more involved with Toulouse. They were more, apparently there's some hormones going around at that age as well. So they're very happy to see all these young men running around the field. 
and it was a lovely way of involving my children in the life of the town to take them to the rugby. My my daughter, who was 13 at the time, said the other day she remembered watching Trevor Brennan jump into the crowd to punch an Irish accountant. And I had forgotten also Gareth Thomas jumped up on the side of the crowd, uh, on the wall, and he got quite a lengthy ban for that. So those were the days, hey, and it sticks in the memory. Yeah, but let's be positive, you know, as you know, Heineken Cup taking place in Twickenham on Saturday. I was, I should be there. I'm a season <laughs> ticket holder. I, I should be there. I have my own place at Twickenham. I've been there so often. Oh. Almost. I'm exaggerating a little. <laughs> so yes, they w- uh, It's not the first time. I have been to European Cup finals in Twickenham before, but obviously this time I'm not going. I'm staying at home and protecting the NHS for the security of Sociale. Yes. So they won, you know, four times the Heineken Cup in 1996, in 2003, in 2005, in 2010, and they were the runners-up in 2004 when they lost against Wasp and in 2008 versus Munster. Do you think they are likely to get an additional star on their jersey that would make their fifth star? Yes, I do think they're very likely. And I see the bookmakers are putting them as favourites, and I dislike that. They have the they have the habit of winning finals, of turning up. But we mustn't dismiss La Rochelle, we mustn't disrespect them. They are fantastic. They are as hungry as hungry can be. They are a quality side from the front to the back, but I suspect Toulouse, uh, I, well, what kind of game will it be? It depends on the weather. Yes. Uh, if if it's rainy and windy, it could be more like the boring French semi-final for much of the game than what we would expect with Toulouse against La Rochelle. But it's knockout rugby. So even if it was a bit boring for the first 60 minutes, I would imagine by the end, people would start throwing caution to the wind and throwing passes out wide. And if that was the game, I would expect to lose and the skills of their players to come to the fore and to win it in the last 20. Is that, is that likely? Um, is that maybe. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough one. You know, I'm debating as well internally. I'm thinking... Of course, Toulouse has more experience, you know, and they have also, they probably have Meda, who was one of the players who lifted the Heineken Cup in 2010 and other players that were there, you know, some of the oldies. And, you know, the fact that they won Brenus top 14 last year and they've got a plethora of very talented players, such as, you know, Monsieur Dupont, Le Ministre de l'Intérieur, Tamak, Kobe. All Blacks with World Cup winners. Yes. Kobe, of course. Yes. So. But, but, but on the other side, they also have European Cup winners in the staff, as we do. They also have World Cup winners and international superstars. So it's not just us. Again, mustn't disrespect La Rochelle. I think they have every chance of putting up a really good match. And I think if they were all at their best, they'd be difficult to beat. Exactly, and they got one of the star players, Will Skelton, with his uh, from the height of his two meter five and one hundred 
10 kilos, you know, can uh, provide some magic with his long arms. You know, it's a bit like an octopus. He doesn't have eight tentacles, but very, very long arms. So who knows? You know, it's going to be a very, very exciting game. Which strategy you think they will adapt, Hugo Mola? Like you said, you know, it might, it might rain. It's 50-50 right now for, for the weather at Twickenham. But do you, you think they're likely to play defensively or aggressively? Because they played with against La Rochelle in the past and they always won against La Rochelle, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe so as well, including at their place. They, La Rochelle, well, Ronan Agara has the GBA. Is, is it GBA? Get the ball, get, uh, keep the ball running. Can't remember what the acronym but he is Jouet Jouet. And so is Toulouse. By nature, they like to keep the ball going, going, going. And it would be lovely to see that. But this is knockout rugby. It's a final. They're going to be very careful to start with. I just hope that they lose lose the fear of failure so that you dare to throw the balls out and let Dupont through on the the inside. So I I think it will start off slow and get good and desperate and great fun at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think that I... I would like to see it fun from the word go, but they're sensible people. What's extraordinary this year that my hero, Guino Vez, said was, always said was absolutely impossible. What's extraordinary this year is that both teams are going for the double. And I know Guino Vez has written books on why this is impossible and the players' welfare and the exhaustion. And then he wrote his last book, and then Toulon went and got the double. <laughs> and then Saracens uh, got the double yours time. Yes. And except for so, um, last year as well. Yes, indeed. So, so it's quite something's changed and it can be done, which would be great. But it, it would be wonderful if this was one final to be repeated in the Stade de France in a couple of months' time for the top 14 final. Toulouse, La Rochelle. And Toulouse might have beaten La Rochelle three times this year. Mm-hmm. Again, zero at that point, which, which, which would be a wonderful fight. Yeah, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. It's very likely to be a top 14 final involving Toulouse versus La Rochelle because right now they are, they are at, at the top. So what does it say about the top 14? In the Challenge Cup and the Heineken, there are three French teams you know, playing and only one English team, you know, all the Irish, all the Welsh team, the Scottish teams have been eliminated. What, what does it say for, uh, for the French rugby? Have you seen it changing over the years? Well, yes, I have. It, it used to be that the English semi-finals were boring and the French was dozens of tries. And that has changed, hasn't it, in the last few years, where the French... We had two semi-finals in Toulouse, of the top 14 about four or five years ago and not a try no the European Cup I can't remember uh, and not a try was scored across the whole weekend two semi-finals not a try scored and so France has become very defensive very boring in knockout rugby because the prize is so great and the fear of losing or the cost of losing is so great whereas in Britain uh, rugby has become more exciting I know my dad would have said this before me and his dad before him but is it the number of foreigners is it the number of superstars not many, how many French-born people will take the pitch on Friday, on Saturday and Friday? We all gasp at the South African World Cup winners, at the All Blacks. And maybe they're just beefed up 
they're so strong that it is all about the fight fight and the hits and less again less about the pretty rugby but if anyone can bring back pretty rugby it's France Jouer, jouer. Yeah, let, 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 let's wait. Let's wait and see. But I think there are less less foreign players coming to the top 14 because it's not as attractive as it used to be. There is a new rule in place as well in terms of academy players that have to be part of the team at a, at a given time as well. Yeah, players are allowed to earn their living around the globe, and it makes people better players. And And it's not just the stars that win competitions because Racing 92 isn't playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and they're full of the internationals. So so maybe that's a red herring. Maybe, I, I think France is bringing on a new, more adventurous rugby. Dupont and Tamac, I saw in the under-23 World Cup final in Bézier. Oh, nice one. Was it about three years ago? Yes, about that, yes. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that was so impressive. That was uh, uh, France, France, Angleterre. That was very difficult for me. France won. Uh, yes. <laughs> of course, they won with half the team being Toulousain. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, on Saturday, I think there's certainly uh, Dupont and Atamak, and I think Lebel was there. Yes. And maybe one of the Marchand brothers. Again, you know, you're probably uh, supporting Toulouse when they play and England. When, <laughs> when the play against France, that's completely normal. Okay. No, that's starting to change though, Ronnie, because I supported England like mad and they said it's, you must remember your blood. But I supported England like mad when the players I knew were Wilkinson and Johnson and that generation and they're not playing anymore. So I've been here 16 years, so I've never mm. really seen the English players grow up mm. and work their way through the ranks. Whereas the French players, I have. I have beers with some of them at Trevor Brennan's pub. Because they're around and they're accessible. And let's face it, it's a lot easier to like the French team at the moment than the England team for, for the style of rugby they play. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, people call me a heretic. So, a uh, question I have for you. So, you still work in the wine trade. So, today <laughs> is the first day that coffee places, bars can open up. Is that correct? Yeah, Taras are open. I have two restaurants booked next two weeks. And I believe um, something happened last week. I saw a picture on your Twitter account of a very, very expensive millésime wine. <laughs> Refresh my memory. Romani Conti, and it was 2007, and it's worth 21,000 euros at today's price. And it was, the bottle had become frozen. And it's split in two, and so it looked like a 21,000 euro ice lolly, Romano Saint Vivant. And it was an answer to a question that somebody had put up saying, Who puts their wine in the freezer to chill it down for the last minute? <laughs> and, and so I, I said virtually nothing, just put up this photo of a very expensive bottle that was frozen. And it was frozen because of a problem in transport in northern China, where the plane, the, the, the plane had become minus 20 degrees. So it was nothing to do with the fool putting it in the freezer. People saying, you yeah, know, what would you know about wine anyway? I've got a diploma, but it wasn't mine. So let's recap. It wasn't your bottle. It wasn't my bottle. I, oh, I, you, you wish it was your bottle. Oh, I'd 
would be wonderful. It would be heartbreaking if uh, 20,000 euros. But you know what is wonderful about rugby? I think we'll finish our chat here is that uh, when I spoke with Gavin Hastings, he mentioned to me, a bit like Philippe Celan, all the players, mentioned to me that the language of rugby can be communicated uh, via food and especially lots of wine. I know some former players have currently some wineries, you know, some of them in Australia, some of them have tried it out in, in France, in the south of France. But also rugby players travel the world, so they're exposed to different kinds of wine and food, and so they become more knowledgeable about what's out there. Uh, certainly when I first came to Toulouse, I got to know the players because I came over with a pallet of wine from my cellar. And so I took South African wine to Dan Human, who's our is our number one shirt at the time and exchanged tickets for the match for bottles of South African wine. And when Byron Kelleher came, here's some New Zealand wine, swapping for tickets. And so it's a lovely way of getting to uh, see different parts of the ground, to get to know the players. And as you say, many people make wine. There are Andrew Sheridan worked with me in London for a while. He came to work for a wine merchant in London to get his wine exams. Brian Moore is very good, as you know. And Gérard Bertrand is a major wine brand in the south of France with about 12 domaines. And he used to captain Narbonne, play for Stade Francais. So yes, you're right, it goes on and on. It's actually Laporte, Servat, Chaval, even recent names have wine holdings as well. Oh, really? That's good to know. And from a wine tasting, there are some very well-known wine connoisseurs, such as Michael Lina, for instance. He's absolutely, you know, loves drinking exquisite wine. And uh, Laurence Dallalieu, I believe. And plenty more, I'm sure, that I'm aware of. Hey, it's been a pleasure speaking to you about not only your life in Toulouse, in Stade Toulouse. Speak to you soon. Okay, Thank bye. So, rugby friends, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of French Rugby Connection this weekend. It's going to be a rugby fest and I can't wait until the weekend starts. À la semaine prochaine, speak to you next week. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic, les oiseaux du lac pic-pac, pic-pic, glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons, et la jolie cloche ding-ding-ding, mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum, et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.